a vote is coming up, an election is coming up, and uh, some of you might not be as excited as Kelly about that. <laughs> Maybe you are, I'm not sure, but um, an election is coming, and uh, it's another, it's another ch- time, it's another time that uh, you as an adult uh, have an opportunity to be a part of this amazing process that we have here in America. And I would encourage you to make plans for it, right? Is Laverne here today? Or I, I know some of the ladies, uh, you know, if I don't show up at the voting booths by a certain time, they're, you know, like, where are you? You know, get there. <laughs> Encouraging me about voting. And, and many of you probably had had that uh, happen to you also. But... Um, the reason I mention that is because here we are in this passage in Romans 13 today. So uh, I'd like to have you take your Bible and open to Romans chapter 13. And we need to understand, again, the flow of this uh, study in Romans. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ has been given. And as people have responded to the gospel, here's now the outflow of righteousness that righteousness is seen in your life as a Christian or in my life as a Christian. That's what ought to happen. Okay? So you've been given that position of righteousness in Christ. God looks at you as being righteous in Christ. He doesn't look at you because of your, you know, he's, uh, uh, it's not seeing that, you know, oh, you're such a good person. No, 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 no. He looks at you through His Son, Jesus Christ, and His righteousness, His perfect righteousness. That's why we can call Him Father. Because of what Christ did for you. And that ought to make us glad. That ought to you know, bring joy to our hearts. Because we can call upon the very Creator of the world. And now He, he shifted from... Here's this business of of showing love to one another. We've already looked at that in chapter 12. Now he's shifting to getting the gospel out into our citizenship, into the political arena. Okay? And this is all about, really, the divine design of authority. Authority. You know, so it's, it's an interesting area because we all do so well under authority, don't we? <laughs> don't we okay so I want to take you um, on a little mental trip maybe you've been there um, I was in Mexico City many moons ago and uh, thank the Lord I was not driving if you've ever been in Mexico City um, anyone been in Mexico City? And so you, you get an idea of being in utter chaos when you're driving. Amen. And it, it is scary. They're just driving every which way, it seems like. And how to get a handle on that, it, it just is hard to imagine. And it's, it's a very frightening experience. 
And it's, it's like the drivers have to take charge. I, get out of my way. Here we come. Of course, they don't say it that way. They say it in Spanish, right? And they're... So, it's going all over the place. And it feels like chaos. And I want you to understand that the reason why I mention that is because if authority, any kind of authority is taken out of the picture... It's like you're driving in Mexico City. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, for you athletic buffs, you enjoy athletics, just take the referee out of the picture. Sometimes you're saying, get that referee out of there. He's not doing his job. Or get the umpire out of there. And what would result ends up being eventual chaos. Everyone would say, oh, we play fair. <laughs> Yeah, right. I don't think so. I'm going to score. I'm going to hit this. I'm going to do it. And if there's no umpire, no referee around, hey, tough. Especially like in basketball. Yipes. No referee in basketball. Oh, that was a foul. No, it wasn't. You wimp. All those kind of things. Let's take it to the family. Oh, we don't need to take it to the family because authority is kind of gone from the family now, right? Think about it. Family gets redefined. Hey, little Johnny, little Susie, they, they're in charge. We've got to do what they want to do. And little Johnny and little Susie are five and six-year-old. I'm telling you, there are, you know, here is something that's going on in our society where children are being put in charge. Or getting their opinion, you know, you want to help your children to grow. But when authority is taken out of the picture, fathers, husbands, then we have chaos. Now, it's not as big as and crazy like at Mexico City. But guess what? Eventual confusion will reign. You know, as you build that as you take that family structure and start building it with that in mind that the children are in control, that the children get to call the shots, then you, then you got trouble later on in life. <laughs> Big time trouble. Well, we're dealing with this passage here in Romans 13 where God established another part of His plan to get authority laid down. Okay? And we need to understand at least these three points. You know, I've given it to you in the outline here. And um, hopefully it, it, it helps you understand this passage a little bit more. Um, follow along as I read this passage in Romans 13. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Which, you have to understand that word condemnation. Sometimes it comes across like, hey, wait a minute. But we're not under condemnation. Romans chapter what? Chapter 8 says that the believer is no longer under condemnation. 
it's the translation of this word. It's the word judgment. Okay? And under that context of here's authority from uh, governing authorities, that's the idea behind it. There, there'll be judgment upon you from the, the governing authorities. And for rulers are not a cause, in verse 3, not a cause for fear, of fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of, the, of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of, you, because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. And so, we've got this establishment here of authority from God. Okay? And so, first of all, we understand that here's this divine design of authority. And it starts with, number one, its origin. Its origin. However you want to say that. Its origin. And letter A, it's appointed of God. It's appointed of God. The governing authorities, as you see in verse 1, they were put in place, is the word. They were set up by God. Now, this is an interesting Greek word that I want, um, I just want you to track along. It's tasso. Tasso. And this word is going to be uh, used in different ways as we go through this passage. All right? So that's the first sighting of it, where God set up or established or put in place governments. Okay? Authority. It's authority for us. And guess what? We have a hard time with this, but he set them up good ones and bad ones. How do you like that? Yeah. And you say, why? Well, we'll try and get our minds around that as we go, okay? Because that's a tough one for a lot of us. But that's, that's how it really comes down. When you really start looking at it, that's the way it comes down. He set them all up, for good or for bad. But all to what? Show God's power and God's purpose when it's good or bad. Either way. For God to show His strength. To, for God to show His... He's in control. Alright? Don't forget that. Because that's our problem. We always think, oh, it's about us. And it's about, it's about this setup of government or the lack thereof. And as you study the Bible, you've got to understand it, my friend. It's about God. It's about God, no matter what we're talking about. And here we're talking about authorities and governing authorities. And it's about God. Okay? So, letter A is it's appointed by God. Appointed of God. Letter B, its origin is as an alliance with God. Authorities, um, politics, all that. 
It's for an, as an alliance, as an alliance with God. Or it's in accordance with Him. That as men respond to what's going on in, with authorities, as people respond to it, what does verse 2 tell us? That the response to authority is equal to what? The response to your, your attitude towards what God's doing. Look at it. Look at verse 2. He who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. They who have opposed will receive judgment upon themselves. Okay? But, 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 all these things start coming up in your mind. But what about this? And what about this? And what about this? We're dealing with the setup, the establishment of government. Okay? Authority. And authority has to be understood from the light of, of the Word of God. All right? I'm quoting from Andy Stanley. Andy is son of Charles Stanley, a preacher back in Georgia area. Andy Stanley says this, Your attitude and your response to human authorities is a reflection of your attitude and your response to your Father in heaven. You want me to say that again? Yes. Your attitude and response to, your, to human authorities is a reflection of your attitude and response to your Father in heaven. Establishment of authorities. Establishment of authorities. And God set it up. Here's government. What else did He set up as authority? Family. And third... Anyone got the answer? What's the third authority figure God set up? In all of in all of civilization in existence, church. God set up church. Okay? Those three areas, those are the authority pillars and supports of all of life. Okay? Let me ask you this. Who's in charge, mom and dad, who's in charge of education of your children? And many of, uh, many of the people in our society just figure, well, it's the government. The government's in charge of the education for, uh, for my children. And yeah, some of you are going, eh-eh. It's my own responsibility because I'm the father, I'm the mother, you, mother, father, you're in charge of your, the education of your child. And that goes in the same way when it comes to church. Doesn't it? And you say, you send your ch- children to, to Bible school during the summer, VBS. Yeah, they're going to teach my child the Bible. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. We, we want to teach your children the Bible. But guess what? You need to lead the way. You need to. We want to instruct you and, and edify you and build you up to do the work of ministry. Train up your children in the way they should go, mom and dad. There's authority. Okay? And if, mom and dad, if you see your child going in the wrong direction... 
It's not because they're not going to church. It's because they've got sin in their life. (laughs) I haven't bragged on my grandson lately. But he's got sin in his life. I don't want to say that when I'm, you know, holding him, you know, like, you little sinner. (laughs) You're not going to say that. But mom and dad know it. Mom and dad know it. And so they need to, what, train little Wyatt in the things of the Lord. Not just tell him, but show him. And same with you, mom and dad. Same with you, grandma and grandpa. You point those children by your words and your deeds to Jesus. And I know there's um, a generation right here. A generation that's grown up with the, um, um, the Americanism uh, as, as a top priority. Is that fair to say? Americanism. That we have our, our country where it ought to be. And you stop and you think, how many times have, has some president been, you know, some man been elected president and you're thinking, it's the end of the world. We can't have that guy. That's just, that's the wrong guy. And how many times has that happened? And here's, you know, it goes round and round and round and round. And another election, another election. And it's, it's going to keep happening in those ways. Now, we obviously want to vote, you know, with, with our convictions in mind. Correct? We've got to vote with our convictions in mind. And so you vote for the person you believe that's going to do the best job. And that's the beauty of our arrangement is that you get to have a vote in it. And what is this saying? Afterwards, we, we are guilty. We are a guilty people for just complaining all the time. Because we need to understand it's here's God's the one that puts a king in place. God's the one. Daniel chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. Daniel says it. God's the one that puts kings into places. And we all the time figured it was, oh man, the, the conservatives or the liberals or what, you know, whichever one. No, it's God. But you and I keep doing our job in voting. Okay? And why do we, you know, it sounds like it's, like it's frustrating. We go and vote, and yet, you know, here's, here's who ends up in the office, whether it's governor or whatever, senator or president. And we think, this is frustrating. And if it keeps being frustrating and irritating to us, guess what? We've got our eyes in the wrong place, Christian. We've got our eyes in the wrong place because we, in this passage... We are being directed to a sovereign God. He's he's in control. And he's put authorities in place. And we need to have our eyes on, on the fact that God is that awesome. God is that powerful. God is that kind of a God. 
So, the idea is that its origin is it's appointed by God. And secondly, letter B, it's an alliance with God showing us our attitude. Now, those who resist, look at in verse 2 there. It says, those who, are, I'm sorry, therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Guess what? Here's the second showing of that word tasso in the Greek. Only this time, it has a, the prefix on it, anti. You are opposed to what's been set up. You, you reject it. And so that's the thing we, wanted, we, wanted, we must point out. Those who resist this authority, it's the very opposite of the term that God, it's used of God in setting up the, the authority. Okay? Moving on, verse 3 is uh, point number 2. It's the operation. The operation of authorities. The operation is, letter A, to reward what is good. To reward the good. Rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. If you're behaving, you're driving the speed limit, you're obeying the laws and all that, there's no fear of, you know, being stopped. Or, you know, that's one of the first things that comes to mind about fear. You know, oh, I got stopped. And here comes, you know, for us guys, it's not, <laughs> it's not the male Nevada Highway Patrolman, it's the female. <laughs> I don't mean that bad. I just mean that like, you know what? She's not going to put up with anything. <laughs> Maybe I'm in trouble there. I don't know what. But So, but there, in doing good, you know, there should be no cause for fear. Okay? Do what is good. That's the idea. Do it. That's the, the, it's in the imperative, present active imperative, is do what is good. And when you do what is good, it says, you will have, you shall have praise from the same. Okay? It's interesting that Jesus mentioned, I think it's in Luke um, chapter 20. I'm not sure. I, I don't, that's fuzzy now. I don't have the reference right there. But Luke, um, Jesus mentions the parable of the guys that have the talents you remember that? And they produced. And they were rewarded. Interesting little concept there. They were rewarded. The one that didn't produce, what he had was given to somebody else. Okay? And so, believers, we of all people, ought to be on top of this, of doing the good thing. Okay? Because we understand that God set up this law. God set up the authorities. And he didn't say, you know, it, 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 it's good or bad. He just said, I'm, I've set up the authorities. By the way, who is in charge when Paul wrote Romans? Nero. Really good, uh, good leader, right? You know, if you're not familiar, Nero blamed the fire in Rome on the Christians. In fact, took Christians, wrapped them up in tar, and torched them for his garden parties at night. Want to have a good, a good leader, good government? 
you're not looking to Rome in this very time. And here's Paul saying this very thing to these Christians at that point in time. I don't think compared to that, you know, what we say, well, we got, we got some real problems with our, our leadership or whatever. Well, yeah, but guess what? You and I still need to be thankful for what God has established and what he's brought about. And so we act in good ways. Do what is good. And recognize these, these are servants of God. Or this is a ministry of God for God. Okay? So, operation of the authorities is to reward the good. Letter B on the back of your outline is to restrain the evil. But if you do evil or if you do wrong, be afraid. I think we all understand that. It's pretty self-explanatory. Okay? If you do what is evil, be afraid. It, it, it meaning the, the governing authorities. It does not bear the sword for nothing. And that serves as an avenger. Remember our previous passage about revenge and retaliation? Well, here, is, in a sense, is how God works it out. Government is supposed to punish wrongdoing. Okay? And I know that this gets into discussions about capital punishment because it's talking about bearing the sword. Okay? And that's what really, you know, we see that God is saying in the Old Testament, right? An eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth, a life for a life, if a life's taken. Now, boy, it sure gets dicey and all sorts of things in, in dealing with it nowadays. Because why? We've got so much of, of a, uh, exposure to the media, all these stories that go on, and we think, oh my goodness. And then we hear stories of, you know, guys that, you know, they have the, the DNA test done, and after 20 years of being in prison, they're set free because they had the DNA test done and they weren't guilty. I, it's like, how do, we all, how do we all keep up with this? <laughs> it's a, a great challenge. But we understand from this capital punishment idea, how does God value your life? How does God value your life? He values it. Okay? So the idea being, if a life is taken, that life is taken also. Okay, um, an avenger to punish the wrongdoing. That's the idea with law, with authorities. And we, I know, we all get frustrated when we see people that commit a crime and they don't get the, what seems to be the proper punishment. It seems like it's unfair. And that term unfair really does a number on our minds. It's hard to deal with, you know, Here's government and here's authorities and then this argument from the outside saying, well, this is unfair, this is unfair. And yet, what is the purpose of authorities and the law? It ought to cause fear. There ought to be fear involved if there's wrong being done. Back in the day of high school days, just real quick illustration here. I was in, I'm not making this up. I was in my brother's car 
And um, it was one of those little uh, Toyota sedans. Back, This was three on the tree. We loved it. Um, and I got pulled over in San Diego. I was in high school. And I, I was not speeding, really. I wasn't speeding. But I found out that my brother hadn't put the sticker on the license plate. So I got pulled over. Well, I immediately understood, oh, I know what it is. So I reached for the glove compartment. And I just went into shock because in the glove compartment was a baggie of marijuana. And back in those days, I mean, this is back in early 73, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. Um, I'm in big, big trouble. Well, I grabbed the, I grabbed the registration and slammed that glove compartment and, hi, officer, and gave it, you know. But guess what? I've never felt fear like that. Why? Because of the, the punishment involved. You understand that. Thank the Lord that, you know, he delivered me a couple of years later and brought me to himself in salvation. I, I'm thankful, thankful, thankful for what he did in cleaning up my heart in changing me and letting me see that, you know, my high school party days were a waste And yeah, there's other stories, but we're not going to go there. So, okay. Letter C in the outline. It's also to refine. The, the idea of the operation of authority is to refine your conscience. It's to refine your conscience. Do you see that? Romans 13, verse 5. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection. You be in subjection to the authorities. Why? Not only because of wrath, what we just talked about, the fear factor, there will be punishment for wrongdoers, but also for conscience sake. You know, the idea of having a clear conscience, that your conscience is good. Paul refers to it numerous times about the conscience doing the right thing. And here we go, because we're coming up to it in the next section, in, in number three, about paying taxes. It's like, there's one of the things that we don't have a, we might not have a clear conscience on, but it's clear from Scripture what God's command is, okay? So doing, still under point C, under number two, refine your conscience, it's doing what is right that will maintain your integrity, Doing what is right will maintain your integrity and will help keep the conscience clear. It's, you know, think of how easy it is for selfish desires to rule the very moment and cloud up one's conscience. So, the idea is that the operation of the law and the authority system that God has established will reward the good, restrain the evil, and refine your conscience. Number three... Number three, the point in in verses six and seven is it's our obligation. Well, actually, let's look at it this way. The obligation towards 
authority, towards governing authorities. The obligation is, number letter A, what we've been talking about all along, our submission. Under number A, number three, our submission. The key word here, again, ah, here's Tasso showing up, but this time it's got a different prefix before it. Tasso, remember, God set up Tasso. He set up or he established. And if you reject it, ante Tasso, you're, re- you're rejecting that. But now, same root form, Tasso, with hupo underneath it, <laughs> before it, because that means underneath. <laughs> you set yourself up underneath. Or it's a military term to set yourself in line with what God has done. Submit. Okay? And it's not the welcome mat idea. No, this is more of, it is more of a military term where you line up to your commanding officer. Okay? And that's the idea with our submission. Because why? We're honoring God. God's the sovereign one. God puts kings in places and he takes them out. And so we line up and we submit to what God has done, the fact that God is a sovereign God. Letter B, under obligation, the obligation to the governing authorities, letter B is our monetary support, taxes. Somebody else want to talk about this? But yeah, it's, it's there and it's for a purpose. And through it, through paying taxes... You know, we understand that we are supporting the people that are serving in the government. Okay? Stop. And next time, and we have military people here, stop and say thank you to military personnel. Thank them. Thank our police officers. Our mayor, here he is, right? Thank them. Thank them for their work. Be thankful. Okay? All sorts of, you know, our, our travels last year back and forth to San Francisco. Here's another road stop. Oh, here's more construction going on. Huh? And if you get your eyes fixed on the, the road problems, then yeah, you can have a real headache. But if you're stopping and waiting, whoa, 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 whoa. Tax dollars are going to make this a smooth ride. Okay. Thank you, Lord. You know, all those kind of things. And that, that idea, that thinking goes on and on and on when we talk about personnel involved in government work. I know there's a lot of jokes about it, you know, different things that get said and we poke fun at them. But the point is God set this up. So render or give the taxes. Remind yourself of the services that we enjoy, okay? Mark down Matthew 17, Matthew 17, 25 through 27. Let me just read that to you. Matthew 17, 25 through 27. And when they had come to Capernaum, those who collected the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher pay, not pay, the two drachma tax? And Peter said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, Who do you think, what do you think, Simon? 
From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax from their sons or from strangers? And upon his saying, from strangers, Jesus said to him, consequently, the sons are exempt. But lest we give them offense, go to the sea, throw in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you'll find a stator. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Such a deal. (laughs) Such a deal. But see, Jesus understood. Jesus understood the concept there. Okay? Okay, so the obligation is, number one, our submission. All throughout this passage. Number two, letter B is our monetary support. And letter C is our moral support. Our moral support is, you see it there in verse 6. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. I'm sorry, that's verse 7. So you render not only the taxes, but here you render fear to whom fear is due and honor to whom honor is due. It's a supportive attitude. Okay? A supportive attitude. So that's where we come back to saying, hey, thank you, uh, Mr. Fireman. Even though like here in our community, it's volunteer. Taxes still go to support that. Thanking those firefighters, thanking the police people, thanking the military people. And on that goes, okay? Let me just finish with um, probably the best, uh, apart from Jesus, the best example that we have regarding this concept. And this deals with you if you're um, living under the authority of your parents. You're not yet out of the house you're under the authority of your parents. This applies to you. You're um, on your own. This applies to every one of us. And it's the example from King David. King David was anointed to be the next king, wasn't he? You can say, yeah, yeah. Um, and Saul, King Saul, had, had just basically undermined himself and his kingdom. And so... God told Samuel, go and anoint the, the man after my own heart. And uh, Samuel went after the household of Jesse. And what did he, he went after the first son. Oh, God's saying, nope, that's not the one. And he, he, it's like he goes down the line. And, and it's, it's the little guy out back tending the sheep. He's got a heart after my own heart. Go anoint him. And so David knew that he was going to be king while King Saul was in office. And then, the evil spirit that was in King Saul, what happened? He started attacking David. And there are numerous times that King Saul went after to try and kill David. And David went into exile, so to speak. He went fleeing throughout the wilderness, around Israel there. And you know some of the stories at least two times. You can just hear it with David and his men. The guy saying, David, just just put an end to it. Just there there's King Saul. Just come on, David. There kill him. Just just get rid of him. Come on. And we have the one of the best responses in the example of King David because he said, No, no, no. I'm not going to go against God's anointed one. And if, if you or I were there, how would we have been responding? How would we have been thinking? 
what would have been our level of complaint against King Saul. And so it comes back to us today, here and today. What's, what's our level of complaint or what's our focus on the sovereignty of, of a great and mighty God? Okay? Who is in control. God has not lost His control one bit. And lest we, you know, we've got to remember that. I know there are times when you and I think that, ah, oh, what's happened? Whether it's in the political arena or in personal ways. You think, where's God? And so, we are brought, we are brought back to the fact that God's in control. And I, I know, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why things happen the way they do. I, I can't give you an answer. Our situation, I can't give an answer. But I know what is true. You see, friend, this is where we need to go. If you're a Christian, this is where we need to go in our response. What is your response to something that happens in the government and all that and and stuff going on? What's your response? Or if it's something personal, what's your response? I get so easily led away by my mind. You get so easily led away by what you're thinking. And God, we need your help to think biblically. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are excellent, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, think on these things. And the God of peace shall guard your hearts. And so if I don't think along those lines... I will not know of his peace in my heart. And I will get carried away with all sorts of stuff. And even if, you know, things go in a bad way, no matter what we're dealing with, we need to come back to this truth. My God is there. How else do you explain things? Are we going to go the evolutionary route and just explain that we all just kind of evolved? I know that you, you know, you're not there. I hope you're not there. But we, we need to come back to what is true. What is true. And here's the government situation. And Christian, you are called to shine in this area also. To be an example of the fact that your eyes are not set on a messed up government, but your eyes are set up on a sovereign God. Now, we can be of help in the messed up government by keep pointing to the right things, keep doing the right things, keep saying the right things, keep supporting the right people. Right? But all of this, all of what we're talking about, it's a result of Jesus Christ Invading your life as Lord and Savior. What's happening there? Is there change going on in your life? When you spend time in His Word, when you spend time praying, there will be change. God will work. 
but you keep need, you need to be in the word. You need to be, you know, praying. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be in, here's worship. There needs to be the, the, the witnessing part. All of these aspects with Christ at the center. Okay? And that's why we say, here's, here's this passage, Romans 13. Here's the gospel injected into our lives to affect the, the world that we live in. And here's this part of it, this aspect of, here's politics, here's government, here's authorities. Okay? So, that gospel perspective. Let's remember, pray for our leaders, acting upon our convictions, and trusting God's sovereignty. Praying for our leaders, acting upon your convictions, trusting in God's sovereignty. By the way, one last thought, because it's been fresh in our minds, this uh, guy in Florida that was going to burn the Koran, he was acting on his convictions, but uh, you know what? I'll just say he was not being very wise or very biblical in his conviction. So let us be wise and scriptural or biblical and spirit-filled, spirit-controlled in our convictions. Because, yes, there are things that need to be done to make things better in regards to the freedoms that we enjoy and this process that we have in our hands. Let's do a good job, okay? Let's stand up and close in prayer. Before I uh, pray, let me just say, um, hope that you can be here tonight for the 6 o'clock prayer time and um, be a part of uh, joining in together in prayer. Uh, it's not just one situation for our family. There are numerous situations to be praying about and holding before the Lord. Um, it is, Dorothea is here again this morning. We're glad for Dorothea being with us. And um, uh, there, uh, Pam Wickheiser's sister, Cindy, is in need of our prayers. She's dealing with another round of chemotherapy, and it's very difficult. That will be mentioned tonight, and other ones that will be mentioned. But I just, I want to let you know that um, we are leaving uh, this afternoon, late this afternoon after choir practice, and we're heading over. Uh, we'll be there uh, throughout the week, and Lord willing, back home Friday night or Saturday, we'll see. So um, we appreciate your prayers for us in this also. Um, okay, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your being with us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are a great and awesome God. And Lord, we confess that all too often we make you out into our own image. And Lord, we want, we want to understand you better uh, from your word. We want to understand that you have no limitations. You are boundless. You are great and all-powerful. 
And we thank you that we can, um, we, that we can come and say, thank you, Father, and that we can call you Father. We thank you for this because of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. Lord, I pray that you would continue your work of sanctification in our lives, Lord, of changing us, of molding us, of shaping us into your image more and more. Help us to recognize that the more we resist or get bitter about what's going on in our world of politics, the more we really fall into the the world's trap of anger and the world's trap of, of frustration. And Lord, we know that Daniel stood strong. Daniel being a great example of looking to a sovereign God and trusting in a sovereign God. Thank you, Lord, that we can have involvement in, in this process. God, I pray that you would do your good work and bring about more and more of your glory as we look to you. Lord, we thank you and praise you how great you are. We ask that you would help us as we go out here this morning, serving you with gladness in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.